Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Never before in the history of sports podcasts have two men brought you opinion and analysis like these two. They speak for a city that's desperate for wins and titles, not whining and travesty. You might not agree with what they have to say, but you'll defend their right to say it. Sports fans across the world, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Mac and Reed Show. And good evening, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Mac and Reed Show right here on the Barroom Network. We're streaming live on YouTube, of course, and all our previous episodes are on YouTube under the Barroom fan page. Remember to follow at Barroom Network on Twitter. Like, subscribe, tell a friend or two. A lot of Bear-centric programming coming your way all through this end of summer and into the fall and beyond. Very exciting stuff. The audio-only version on Spotify iTunes, wherever you get your audio. Uh, also, like, subscribe, do that thing. T- on Twitter, I'm at the Real Evan Mac, and Ross is at Ross Reed. What's going on, my man? How you feeling? Feeling good. Happy Wednesday to you. We're halfway. Mid- August is just flying by right now. We're halfway through this month already. We're, we're going to be exactly. week one before you know it. And no question there. So, Bears... Just wrapped up their first preseason game of uh, of this season, and two more to go. We got some takeaways to go over, and some news around the team as practice resumes this week. And uh, they'll be facing the Colts. Looking ahead to that matchup in the second sort of dress rehearsal game before uh, man, we'll have football, real football that that uh, means something before you know it here. Talk about impressions throughout the NFL as well after first uh, week of preseason and be talking about uh, NBA news, be talking about Phil Mickelson, be talking about this whole blindside weird stuff uh, controversy. And uh, there was the it was the official 50th anniversary of hip hop celebration last weekend uh, out of New York. And uh, I think it was Complex had a, a list of their 50 um, best New York rappers of all time. So we'll throw in our top five at the end. Uh, maybe Ice Spice will be on there for me or Ross. <laughs> maybe. Uh, maybe. Are you, are, are you, are you a munch? <laughs> uh, you a munch? We're the munch munch militia over here. That's sound fucking old saying it. Uh, her little orphan Annie wig wearing ass. Uh, anyways, let's get on with it. Um, yeah, the Bears beat the Titans in, uh, you know, preseason, obviously. Who cares? Although, I, what was the coach I saw that was undefeated? It was Jim John Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh rather was undefeated in preseason the games. The Ravens are undefeated under the Harbaugh era, and they have That's like right. they take that seriously. They have actually come back from a yeah. few games, like three points down. They call timeouts at the end of these things. They really want to keep that record intact, which the the betting community, I'm sure, appreciates that. <laughs> yeah i mean now they're bound to lose in this preseason with that stat coming out they're they've won like 28 straight something ridiculous like that well winners of the preseason anyways back to the bears winning their first preseason game against the titans 23 17 uh big story of course you know if you've watched the the game in its entirety we'll, we'll talk about every little nugget that you want to talk about throughout uh, and feel free if you're watching live on youtube to uh, chime in with comments and questions for me and Ross uh, if we've missed anything or corrections, God forbid. But it was all about the offense in that first half and the hot start that they had, as, as you saw, you know, Justin Fields with the perfect passer rating going three for three for 129 yards and two touchdowns. Two of those uh, completions being touchdown throws, uh, short, quick wide receiver screen to DJ Moore that went for 60 yard scamper and same with Khalil Herbert when he rolled out to his left. Nice throw on the run where he had blockers just out in front of him. Khalil Herbert made a great play, uh, staying on his feet, going towards the end zone, the under in, uh, inside of 10 yards into the end zone. Uh, man, I, I know it's just preseason, but if they can replicate that in, in the regular season and make plays like this, it's going to be really fun uh, offense to watch, that's for sure. 
you'd like to see Justin Fields air it out a little more, and obviously only three, throwing it three times, you don't see much, uh, not to, much to take away from there, but he did make those completions. And, and as far as the play calling is concerned, you wonder if those two plays didn't break wide open for touchdowns, uh, what the rest of that play calling would look like. But it just shows you that, you know, the Titans also uh, just figuring out things right now, kind of in a, in a full rebuild mode and with their quarterback controversy with Levis and, and, uh, and Malik Willis at this point, they're trying to figure things out on their end uh, defense, not world beaters by any means. Um, but with that in mind, it's nice to see Luke Getzey's offense so far uh, in, in even a very young preseason uh, season here, uh, just the potential of it. I know you saw limited action from the starters, but you do see, you know, Darnell Wright making some good plays, uh, just his awareness and what he brings at right tackle with the absence of Nate Davis. You see what the line can look like adjusting to um, his absence and, and uh, you know, guys are going to have to step up because, inevitably I feel like whether you knock on wood or not, there's going to be some injuries that may uh, may pile up for the bears um, offense and for this offensive line, as it gets into regular season going on here. But I was impressed by Justin Fields, obviously in three completions and and the offense Um, and DJ Moore is here, right? Like this is, I love buying into this narrative of DJ Moore uh, doing what Stefan Diggs and AJ Brown did for Josh Allen and AJ uh, and Jalen Hurts, excuse me, respectively, right? Where you saw these guys in, in their third in, in their third years taking big leaps, uh, going to MVP caliber players, four thousand yard uh, a, a season quarterbacks, uh, very impressive jumps for those young men. That's what you want to see out of Justin Fields this season. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it's nice to see. Uh, that connection, that one-two punch, where I'm sure t-shirt makers are around the Bears are going wild with that connection. Uh, it was really great to see that DJ Moore connection, and then that offense moved the football better than they had all last year. I feel like, right, Ross? One hundred percent. I mean, you know, the Bears last year they just had no explosiveness on offense, other than Justin Fields, who ran for you know most of their explosive plays were him on the ground. Right. So. You know, you enter in DJ Moore and also Khalil Herbert being your number one running back. Well, those are two very skilled offensive explosive players, and you saw it right there. All you have to do is get the football in their hands out on the edge and let them make a play. And I'm sorry, but I know there's a lot of discourse about Justin Fields and, you know, perfect passer rating and over 100 yards, but only three uh, completions and behind the line of scrimmage, yada, yada, yada. Nobody ever makes these excuses when Pat Mahomes does it and when the San Francisco 49ers do it. They are the two number one teams in the league at yards after the catch. They throw the ball more around five yards from the line of scrimmage than any team in the NFL. So what that tells you is um, Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan always love to scheme layups for the quarterbacks, and that makes it a successful offense. You can't throw the football down the field all the time. Your completions percentage on average in the NFL is anywhere between you know 35 to 40%. That's just not going to cut it. You're going to have to make these completions at or around the line of scrimmage and get some explosive athletes that can get up the field and make plays for your quarterback. That's what every good quarterback in the league does. That's why Pat Mahomes gets 5,000 yards a year in addition to the other plays he has. But he has explosive players that get the football and get up the field. And so I love it. The Bears have been awful in the screen game, you know, going even back to before the Matt Nagy days. So to see two screen plays uh, be highly successful was very encouraging. To see the offensive line be going out there and really start putting hats on, uh, you know, helmets on guys and knocking them down and making plays was also very encouraging. I thought with Tevin Jenkins played in his limited snaps, when he plays about seven snaps, he looked awesome. You know, he he has an ability to be a Pro Bowl caliber guard this year. Jatir Carter, who right now is a backup, he still looked really, really solid. Solid. It's good to see Nate Davis is practicing in pads today uh, against the Colts. So they'll have their complete offensive line intact this Saturday. Um, But it's good to see those five guys up front play well. Darnell Wright had a great recovery on a block on the touchdown play to uh, Khalil Herbert. Our defender was coming towards the backside of Justin Fields, and he was able to to clean up that block and and basically just use his strength and stop him in place. And that's what you need, you know, and, you know, 
feels, of course. He did make a play. He he was allowed to get out to the edge. He didn't take off and run. Instead, he dumped it off to clear Herbert and let his uh, skill players do the, do what they're supposed to do. And that's going to be a big key for them going forward this year. And now you hope to see this weekend they continue to stack some plays in preseason push the football a little bit more downfield. I'm sure the fields in the first team offense will play a little bit more against the Colts. I've been, I was looking at Twitter before we hopped on here by all intents and purposes right now, Justin's been lighting it up in the seven on seven drill. He had a perfect, uh, you know, passing. He went 13 for 13, basically in, in the seven on seven drills here, uh, a couple of touchdown plays to DG Moore and uh, the symbol Webster. Confidence is all you need right now. Confidence. We talk about staying healthy. I love what the offensive did. Uh, the first team offense, second team offense. I'm worried about PJ Walker, but he's a backup quarterback. If, if he's playing football games anyway for you, you're in trouble anyway. Yeah, no question. It's it's all about number one and what he did on the field. And I echo what you said. Like we we wouldn't be making this narrative about Pat Mahomes if if he goes three for three and, and has this sort of production very early on. Uh, you spoke about Jatir Carter, who I was impressed by. You know, getting downfield that was important. Obviously, on that uh, scoring drive where. You dumped it off to Khalil Herbert and Cody Whitehair clearing a path to, I mean, what, what a, uh, you know, important piece of that offense he is to have uh, very healthy, uh, you know, hopefully he can stay healthy. Obviously that's a big thing. And then, you know, blocking down the field, we talked about the effect that uh, an, an old guy, you know, in a record setting 18th season, like Mercedes Lewis uh, serves, you know, what kind of purpose he serves. And then the receivers who aren't named G.J. Moore and Chase Claypool, like Equinemy, St. Brown, maybe they provide, you know, if they're trying to make that 53-man roster, you got to block down field too. So um, it, it's very early on, right? But it's nice to see, and you talked about the Bears practicing with the Colts right now. And I saw some clips of, you know, D.J. Moore and the completions that uh, Justin Fields were making. And he's he's getting confident, right? And now it's becoming to the point where he's much more used to the speed of the NFL, you would think, especially when you have guys like DJ Moore and, uh, you know, hopefully Chase Claypool has that effect. But DJ Moore certainly like his number ones at Ohio State when going back to college ball and he was able to do whatever he wanted to other Big Ten teams uh, around the Big Ten. So it's uh, super impressive. What's even, you know, it's nice to, to have those storylines from the offense, but Man, the defense, too, uh, really played quite well, I would think. You know, I, and, uh, you know, eight sacks in a preseason game, we're, we're never going to remember that. But sprinkled throughout, it's uh, it's big, especially early on from, like, a guy like Zach Pickens, who you spent a pretty high draft pick on, and, and you're hoping that he can be a focal point of this defensive line going forward. That was a nice, impressive sack that he had early on and, and showed some real poise on the line, um, certainly, you know, making his case to be a starter going forward. But, you know, if you had to say a player of the defense of the game, it would be Tyreek Stevenson as he was all over the field. He had seven tackles in the game, uh, really just all over the place. I, I was just mighty impressed by him. Um, the open field tackles, pass breakups. Um, there was a tackle for a loss sprinkled in there too. Um, Noah Sewell, he had a half a sack too in there. You talk about the rookies and how it's it's sort of a new regime carrying over with this uh, Aberflus style of defense and Allen Williams calling for the defense. Um, it was nice. And and Titans, like let's be real, they're probably going to be dog shit this year um, in a transition year with their, their quarterback situation. Maybe maybe not, but Malik Willis played far too long. When you look at the comparison of the, the starting quarterbacks, it's crazy how Malik Willis said 25 – uh, attempts and then Justin Fields had three. So you're really not sure what's going to happen if, if Levis is going to come in and, and take the spot from Willis or vice versa. Um, but, you know, the Titans a very different situation where they have to go ahead and, and feel out who's best to lead their football team in that offense. But um, defense, again, by the numbers, you know, the takeaways had four takeaways when you thought it was a weird sequence where there were like three takeaways in a row, one from the Bears defense, one from the Titans, one from the Bears defense away. It was a, uh, it was very bizarre, you know, in very preseason where these these uh, players are just getting back into the, the swing of things in the NFL speed. Um, but I liked what I saw from the defense. What stood out to you from uh, the defense against the Titans this past Saturday, Ross? Yeah, I think to me, when you look at the first team defense, um, you know, Kyler Gordon looks a lot more comfortable in the nickel spot uh, this year than he already did last year. He made a huge hit to, to start the game. Um, he had a great pass breakup. He had another great play out in the edge to to stop the run. 
Um, those are the kind of things that you need from your nickel guy. Your nickel guy is going to play in the middle of the field. He's essentially acting like a third, um, you know, like a third linebacker out there. So he's got to be able to put his nose in there and get his uh, and be able to put his uh, hat in the football and and try and break the play up and, and try and stop the runner. Um, in addition to slow down a lot of the speedy guys in the middle of the field. So I thought he was really impressive. I completely agree with you about Stevenson. He looked very comfortable out there on the edge. He's going to probably be your CB2 to start week one. What was most impressive about what he did to me was, again, like Kyler Gordon, you need your corners to be able to stop the run. Those guys have to be able to step up and, and, and jam guys at the line of scrimmage and even stop those short passes from getting those large games. I know Rick here had some concerns about, the, um, about them not being able to contain the edge. I completely agree. You also have to remember those were not their first; those were not their starting defensive events out there on on Saturday. You were missing both of your starting defensive events. Um, Demarcus Walker was not playing on Saturday. He will be your starting left defensive end. He's back at practice today against the Colts, and we know Yannick Ngakwe wasn't out there as well. Uh, yeah. So those two guys not being out there uh, really has a huge blow to that defensive line. I think things look a lot different when you put them out there, but. Uh, the young guys, like you said, you know, Pickens uh, was able to get some penetration, get a sack. I was still a little bit concerned with Dexter, uh, with Dexter's Dexter's uh, getting off the ball. I think he's just a slight, you know, slow about it. Matt Everflus hinted at that last week before the preseason game. I was watching him closely. Still a little bit slow getting off the ball. So I need to see him with more explosiveness. Um, but, you know, the guys off the bench, you know, Travis Gibson, you know, he was a, we talked about him the same time last week saying he might be cut. Now he might have probably made the team after what he did on Saturday. He looked absolutely awesome. He's going to be in a dogfight with yeah. him and Terrell Lewis, and the Bears have to make a decision at defensive end. Are you going to keep both? Are you going to keep one? You know, uh, you know. I to me, I thought last week Gibson would be out for sure, uh, but he had an outstanding game. And then Terrell Lewis is a he's a veteran. He comes from that Ram system. He, he's he's a, a veteran pass rusher. He had a good game, too. So these guys are going to go neck and neck, uh, even again this Saturday against a very mobile Anthony Richardson. And let's see what they can do. I'm pretty sure we're not going to see uh, Ngakwe again this Saturday. There's no rush to, to get him out there. Might see a little bit of Demarcus Walker. But now, all of a sudden, the marquee matchup for who makes his roster in training camp is Terrell Lewis uh, versus Travis Gibson because it, it might be hard-pressed for the Bears to keep both of them. I don't think you can stash either of them on a practice squad. So they're, they're going to be fighting for that spot. You know, they look good. And I think to me with the pound for pound best pickup in free agency for the bears was TJ Edwards. Um, and I think that was on display as well on Saturday. He's going to be a good steady veteran at the linebacker position. He was playing next to Jack Sanborn on Saturday and still found ways to make plays. He was uh, very awesome at the goal line stop there that they had to keep the Titans out of the end zone uh, early on. And uh, he even put uh, Peter Skaronsky on his ass on, on one play at the goal line. That was everybody's darling that they wanted to draft because he went to Northwestern and, oh, my God, we should draft Peter Skaronsky. And he got put on his ass uh, on the veteran. So uh, I, I love TJ Edwards' lie. He's going to look even that much better. Once we get uh, Tremaine Evans uh, up to speed and, and get a real starting middle linebacker out, out there, and that's no disrespect to Jack Sanborn, but he's no he's no Tremaine Evans. Well, I was going to say with, with Noah Sewell and the way he played too, Ross. Uh, I know you were really hot on him, and you thought that maybe he'd be coming for for that one of the starting linebacker positions out there. I mean, it he he played very well, right? And uh, and I think this is that time where if you're playing that well on defense for one where he had a, uh, you know, four tackles, something like that. And then if you can make an impact on special teams, that's how you really impress coaches. And then, you know, eventually you think that he could maybe uh, crack into that starting lineup of that defense, but you know, everything you talked about and it's, it's uh, we've heard so much about that. Averflus hits principle and, you know, winning the takeaway battle battle is, is so huge. And, and that's led to a lot of bears success. I'll harp on it every damn week. That's led to a lot of Bears success uh, in the wins versus losses column year after year. Uh, I don't care how the offense has looked, but uh, you see a lot of depth in the secondary, which is uh, really good. And without Ngakwe and um, and um, Walker that we talked about out there, it's uh, it still looked impressive as far as the pass rush is concerned. It's good to see that competition light a fire. Uh, under the guys' uh, asses who are who are possibly not making this 53-man roster. And Terrell Lewis, 
Um, and we talked about Travis Gibson, too, who is a, a fringe guy. So they're going to have to make some tough decisions, as Cliff pointed out. And for sure, keep the comments coming, guys, just like uh, Lucas is talking about my my Levis, my Levis pronunciation, because he hasn't done shit yet. I'm not going to pronounce his name right. Uh, he could be Levi's at this point. But uh, <laughs> even special teams, it was everything was clicking for the Bears, right? It was a lovely day at Soldier Field. Harris Santos making all three of his field goals and whatever extra points he needed to make. Uh, except for except for Vilas Jones, right? He he struggled. Well, Jones, yeah, that's just I don't know about Vilas Jones there, man. It's yeah. uh, it's that, uh, that that's a that's troublesome, right? Yeah, I mean, it's troublesome because to me, he was already, uh, you know, he already had a, a tough hill to climb to make this roster. He's probably wide receiver number seven right now on this team. And the only thing that he can really bring to the table consistently is through special teams. And he just looked like he'd never done it before in his life on Saturday. He just had no confidence going after the football. It, it was 83 degrees and beautiful on, on, on the lakefront. There was no issue for him to not go up there and attack the football. Your number one job as a punt returner is to at least catch the football. That's the first thing in the world. Don't let it bounce because it could bounce past you. It, it could cause some issues. It could hit another guy on your team and, and, and flip, yeah. uh, you know, flip possession. Go attack the football and catch the football. And he let the football bounce twice. And the second time, as we all saw, he went to go try and grab it on the bounce. He muffed it. You cannot do those things in a regular season football game. I think he gets one more shot. I, I see today he's um, doing punt returns in practice right now against the Colts. I think he gets one more shot this Saturday to prove what he can do. And it's a very, very short leash for him. He might be uh, in that first round of cuts because as much as we might not like a guy like Dante Pettis, at least he's a reliable veteran who at the very least will catch the football on punts. And then you can right. put the rookie back there on the kickoff return. We saw Tyler Scott be out there on, on kickoff returns. Kickoff returns at this point are, are their mute point anyway because they've got the fair catch rule in place now. They, the NFL is encouraging teams to not bring this football out, just take the football out the 25-yard line. So, you know, Tyler Scott can handle that. Man, Jones is going to be – he's going to struggle to make this roster, especially if he doesn't show anything on special teams this weekend. Yeah, it's a good point, Ross, for a guy who it seemed the Bears were pretty invested in as a rookie last year. Definitely a sort of gadget player who you thought could fit in with that, that Kansas City style of, of offense, air raid offense. But if you're not catching the – if you touch the football, you better damn sure catch it. You know, these muffs uh, will be huge momentum swings in real football games. So, you know, you got to give them, got to give them the benefit of a doubt, try to make a – because he did have some – glimpses you saw of, of how he could be as a return man last year but uh you know he's getting out the kinks i guess so we'll give him another yeah, yeah. shot yeah and he's i mean like i get it he's he's fast and, and he's electric with the ball in his hands but I mean, we've seen guys in this league who are super fast who who just can't quite latch on and, and and find a career in this league just you know we remember guys like john ross who lit up the combine had the best you know 40 time of all time in the combine he was a first round pick with the with the Bengals and He's retired. He's already gone. He's already out the league. The, the league yeah. is filled with those guys. Your speed can only get you so far, especially if you keep making mental mistakes. Coaches are just not going to tolerate mental mistakes, uh, it, it, no matter how fast you are. So he's got to put it together. I'm rooting for the kid. I know it always feels like I, I'm negative against him. I'm actively rooting for him. But you know, as as you know, the old saying, you know, Bill Parcells used to say, he's like. I love you as a person. You just suck as a football player. <laughs> I got to let you go. It's not hard feelings. You just can't do your job. Yeah. If you can't do the job on the field, you could be the best guy in the world, but you got to make those, uh, those big catches when balls coming your way, my friend. So the bears practicing with the Colts uh, earlier today, you know, you talked about it, Ross with the seven on seven drills as they prepare to play the Colts this Saturday, again, uh, a team in transition, right now that the Colts are, but uh, it'll be a, you know, starters will definitely get some more time. We'll see maybe a half of Justin Fields and the rest of the starting offense. Uh, it seems pretty apparent that Chase Claypool may not play this entire preseason. I know you said that Nate Davis looks like he'll be uh, potentially coming back this weekend. Mm -hmm. Injury notes are, are pretty sparse. Otherwise, uh, you know, you'll get to see again um, more of a fight especially defensively to see along this defensive line who can generate a pass rush and who can back up Gakwe and Walker. Um, and on the offensive line, you, you talked about Jatir Carter and that depth is super important going forward to, to figure out, you know, Tevin Jenkins is, is a lock, Nate Davis, white hair, Darnell Wright, Braxton Jones, but you know, Braxton Jones, who knows he impressed last year 
we'll see, uh, you know, how he plays the rest of this preseason out. Uh, and, and then the, the guys who have to spell these, these starters, uh, they could be called up at any second now. And then the linebacker battle is, is interesting. Um, you know, we'll see how they, they match up against the Colts. What are you looking for forward to as the bears certainly practice against the Colts, but that game Saturday, um, against Indy. I'm looking forward to uh, how the defense now responds against a a quarterback who is big and powerful and Anthony Richardson, and he's very fast. Yeah. So, you know, you, you saw a mobile guy on Saturday, Malik Willis, but Malik is a smaller guy. Uh, Malik also can't throw the football. He's not a very good quarterback. Um, and I think we saw that. I, th- I think Will uh, is a Levi, love is, who cares? Um, <laughs> no one cares. Because he's not very good. And, 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 boy, he threw some absolutely horrendous throws on Saturday. And like you that. saw Ryan Tannehill's already back to practice with them. They, that's Ryan Tannehill's team right now until they can figure out that situation. Because they, they've got two uh, two young quarterbacks who aren't very good, in my opinion. I, I, I think the hype around, you know, Will Levi was was just absolutely – or, or Love, excuse me, was just absolutely insane coming out of college. He, he was an inaccurate thrower. Uh, all throughout his career, and I think we're seeing that already. We saw it on Saturday. I don't know who the hell he was throwing to on that last play to end the football game. Um, but to me, I want to see how they respond on Saturday against Anthony Richardson, in particular uh, on turf, because he is a, a bigger guy. He's going to bring the hammer a little bit, but um, he's been struggling as well. He struggled. I, I was watching that game on Saturday that he played in. He struggled he, with the uh, with his accuracy. He was trying to do the classic rookie thing where he was trying to force the football into and in, in trying to make plays that weren't really there. He's already had a couple of interceptions in, in this um, in this practice today. Uh, he, he had one to Eddie Jackson. T.J. Edwards dropped an interception. Uh, so I'm interested to see gap integrity with a guy like that, and then also if the Bears can continue this opportunistic uh, trend that they have so far to start training camp in preseason and pick him off. Go go out there and, and really – we talked about gaining momentum as a defense last week. Well, they did it. See if you can continue to carry that over now, and let's get some of these young guys uh, you know, to continue making plays. Get like a Stevenson or a Kyler Gordon to, to pick him off and force him to stay in the pocket and make throws. From the offensive side of things – um, I was super impressed with Roshan Johnson uh, last week. I was wondering why he was third on the depth chart to Travis uh, to to uh, to Ebner, and then Ebner ended up getting hurt in that game and had to leave that that game. And then Trustin um, Ebner, excuse me, and then enter in Roshan Johnson, and he looked awesome, man. He, you know, he was obviously the 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 backup for um, for the for the running back now and for the Falcons. Um, he was very shifty. He looked like he was impossible to bring down on the first and second hit, and I think the Bears really have something there as a as a uh, as a running back of the future. I know Cleo Herbert's number one guy. I know Dante Foreman is going to get a lot of carries as the backup, but um, if you play like dynasty football and stuff like that, I'd start to maybe look at a guy like Roshan Johnson and start to stash him because he's going to be a, a really good dynamic weapon for them, especially as the the season gets a little bit colder. And you want to keep that football on the ground and really grind it out. I love the way Homer looked, too. He had a little shiftiness to him. Um, he's going to be a fun special teams player. I just don't know if there's a roster spot for him just because I don't know how many running backs the Bears want to keep in addition to right in addition to blasting game. So it, it might be a numbers game for him because you know they're going to keep Herbert, Foreman, Johnson. I don't think they keep a fourth running back with blasting game. But who knows? We'll, we'll see how that whole thing shakes out. Um, but I love the way Roshan Johnson ran football on Saturday. And I look forward to him getting more carries. Like I, I want him to see, I want him to get an extended look on Saturday and, and let's see what he can really do with, especially around uh maybe the first uh the first team offensive line. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, with the with the running back situation, we know that Khalil Herbert is, you know, with the departure of David Montgomery now, he's he's sort of the next man up in terms of, of starters. You saw um, what he brings to that offense just in that long pass play alone. But Roshan Johnson had 12 good carries for 44 yards, and you saw uh, what he was able to do. It was it was impressive. And, you know, it's nice, you know, on the note of, of depth, it, it's nice to see uh, the young guys playing well, but it's also nice to have these sort of tricks up your sleeve, as in, you know, Tremaine Edmonds not playing or Ngakwe. Like, you're not at full strength with these. These veterans are going to elevate – both sides of the football right away, right? When you see Claypool out there, it'll open up DJ Moore out more. Um, the same with Nate Davis when he makes um, his start on the offensive line. 
defensively. Like we already talked about Ngakwe, Tremaine Edmonds, um, you know, who hasn't uh, practiced since August 2nd. Now the Bears uh, just signed Michael Walker um, off waivers Monday, who played a, a full season for the Falcons last year. He was waived by the team, but he had 107 tackles last year. Uh, so it's nice to have that depth. We'll see, you know, obviously with Jermaine Edmonds, just to, to see what kind of left depth there is at linebacker because um, anything can happen. But uh, they look very ready to go. And, and just circling back to Anthony Richardson, uh, I think it was Rick who, who pointed out, this first team offense has to, you know, play against the Justin Fields style in, in uh, every week, rather. So, um, so it'll be good preparation. And Anthony Richardson, as a rookie, just you know, shows that he might not adjust as quickly as you would think to the speed of the NFL in this uh, second preseason game, for sure. Yeah, absolutely, completely agree. And uh, I mean, it's you know. It, we want to see what the, what the teams can do, especially after you've been practicing against the team for a couple, uh, you know, for a couple of days now, you know, what they can do. You want to see if you can continue to build continuity on both sides of football. But, you know, as we say every single week, this is still preseason. The number one thing is to get out of this thing as healthy as possible. You don't want to see yes, guys sir. hurt. You don't want to see guys uh, banged up, you know, knock on wood. The Bears were able to get out of uh, this first game. Uh, relatively healthy. I know, uh, you know, Travis Gibson had a little bit of a, of a bang up there. He banged knees uh, with, um, with, with Pickens and, and both guys were, were luckily able to come out of that. Okay. And, and they're still practicing this week. And so you want to see, able to see that going forward. We don't want any injuries right now. We're so close to wrapping this thing up. You got one more game uh, after this against the Buffalo bills. I doubt any starters are going to be able to play that game. And then it's, on forward to week one against the, the Green Bay Packers. So let's let's get there. Let's get through these last week and a half or so on the you know healthy as possible. And then let's start getting this team in the bunker uh towards week one and getting them prepared and, and get a game good game plan in place because you know Jordan Love looks solid. He looks solid. You know, it's okay to say that you know he had, he has had his up and down so you know so what some point in training camp but you know, he's got Christian Watson on the team. He's got weapons, and he's looked a little bit more comfortable in that preseason game. And so, you know, you got to take these guys seriously. You, you got to go out there. You want to lay the smack down to them and not take them for granted just because that's not Aaron Rodgers back there anymore. Yeah, as we transition into the rest of the NFL news and scores from week one, um, you know, rookies, it, it was trial by fire with guys like C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson, like we talked about. Um, struggling, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, and throughout the league, you're seeing now uh, just a lot more backup play, of course, in this preseason. But, you know, um, as it was touched on, Jordan Love uh, looking sharp to start off the, the game against the Bengals. Um, obviously, the, the new starter, the new, new big, uh, big guy in town to, um, to uh, take over for Aaron Rodgers at this point, but he looks sharp seven for 10 for 46 yards and a touchdown. And this, uh, this green Bay offense has some serious weapons that'll challenge the bears in this coming season with Romeo Dobbs, guys like that, Christian Watson, um, you know, takeaways from first preseason game around the league. You're just seeing uh, again, that battle for depth for a lot of these teams, for a lot of these teams that don't have the quarterback situation figured out. It's kind of fun. Like we, I feel like we've touched on it like every week, um, with Tampa Bay on the heels of losing Tom Brady, uh, if Baker Mayfield's going to step in, if he's going to have sort of a revival, um, you know what we can see out of Deshaun Watson and in, in, uh, in Cleveland and Russell Wilson playing very limited time, but he's still playing a, a first preseason game, a guy his age, which is pretty impressive. Uh, do you have any big takeaways and, and uh, impressions from this first action of uh, NFL preseason? Yeah, I mean, we're all going to be looking at the Carolina Panthers because the Bears have their first round pick, right? And so we're going to be looking at that whole situation all year round, seeing how Bryce Young does, seeing how that team does, because we've got, you know, vested interests in that. That could be a potentially top five pick. And boy, they they struggled. I know it's it's obviously it's a, it's one preseason game. Um, but I thought the offensive line really struggled, I, and I thought they struggled to keep Bryce uh, Young upright, which is going to be a big storyline all year because – him and I are probably the same size, you know, and, and I'm about 5'10", 185 pounds on a good day. And I I looked at Bryce Young walking down that football field next to Andy Dahl and the other backup quarterbacks. He looked very, very tiny. And uh, they got their asses kicked. They got their asses kicked by a Jets team that is 
very motivated right now. They just signed Dalvin Cook. They they got Aaron Rodgers. They're on hard knocks. They came and fired up, and they lost twenty seven to nothing. And you know, I, I didn't see anything from from Bryce Young that that he could stack plays, uh, you know, on and 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 have some kind of a uh, some optimism for. It. And so that's going to be an, an interesting situation. Um, you know, from there around the league, you know, the Saints. The Saints are probably going to be the best team in the in, in that division in the NFC South mm. because you know the other teams in that division, you've got the Panthers who are going to struggle. You've got the Tampa Bay Bucks, who I don't believe in Baker Mayfield and in that tire situation. And then you got the Falcons who have you know Ritter as their quarterback. And as long as he's their quarterback, I can't trust him. And you know, Derek Carr, he looked pretty sharp there on Saturday. And that offense looks strong. They they are they're gonna not have Alvin Kamara for a couple of games to start the year because of that Vegas incident that he had. But Michael Thomas was out there, was healthy, uh, and and Derek Carr was dealing. And Derek Carr is a serviceable quarterback. That's not a great division, and they can that division is up to grabs for them. And I, you know, you can I, I would probably bet them right now to win that division. They look pretty solid. And I was really impressed with the uh, with what the Raiders were able to do too. Um, you know, they went out there. They started at uh, Aiden McConnell. He's going to be a very efficient backup in the league. He's perfect for that um, for that for, for that offense um, that um, Josh McDaniels runs. Um, I thought he looked really impressive out there. And boy, you know, I was rooting for Trey Lance. I am rooting for Trey Lance, but he really struggled in that football game. Um, he. You know, obviously had a, a backup offensive line in front of him, but he looked like a guy that was not comfortable reading a defense on the field. It looked like when that first read was not there, he was dropping his eyes and he was just trying to get the hell out of the pocket. And they took advantage of him. They beat him up. And I don't know what the 49ers do with Trey Lance. Uh, you know, we kind of talked about it last week. Uh, right now, he's probably RB. He's probably QB three on the roster behind Sam Darnold and, and Brock Purdy. I don't know if they trade him. I don't know if they continue to sit him. But this is now a couple of years now into the league. This is year three for him. And you've got to make a decision on this kid. You know, obviously, you don't probably want to pick up his fifth year option. That's a lot of money for where he was drafted at. I would be trying to trade him if you can and trying to get anything for him. And I don't know what you can get for him, but I really feel bad for the young man. His confidence seems to be shot right now. And, um, you know, I also don't think his head coach particularly likes him. I think they kind of threw him out there to the Wolves on Saturday behind that bad offensive line, knowing that he was going to struggle. And, and so, you know, I think he would uh, – he, he probably needs a, a reset somewhere else and sit behind an established quarterback and then kind of uh, see where his career can take him from there. But that young man looks like somebody that needs out of that San Francisco situation ASAP. The picks that went after Trey Lance too. It's a uh, it's a bad look for 49ers, but the, hey, that's the nature of. Uh, of they traded drafting. up to get him. They traded multiple yeah. first round picks to get him. They yeah. they could have had Justin Fields. Thank you for not taking him. I think they wanted Mac Jones, and I think the internet kind of shamed them into taking Trey Lance because they were like, "You're going to trade up for Mac Jones," but Mac Jones actually fits more in that Cal Shanahan offense because all he does is get the football and he just throws it. He just gets it and throws it. Right? He makes quick yeah, decisions. Pocket passer, yeah. which is exactly what you want of that Cal Shanahan, Shanahan offense. That's why Brock Purdy, you know, is able to succeed so well in that situation. That's not Trey Lance's game. He needs to get the hell out of there, and they need they yeah. need to oblige him and. and Trade him for anything that you can at this point. Just get him out of there. The tables turn, just like the Bears drafting up for Mitch Trubisky and passing yeah. on a certain quarterback out of Kansas City, who we will not name yeah. in this program. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't follow too much of the action. It's like we talked about with uh, Harbaugh and, and the Ravens getting their 24th consecutive preseason victory. That's that's impressive. I mean, it doesn't even matter if it doesn't count. Um, it's still fun, and and I feel like, the big takeaway was Derek Carr being juiced up and looks like he uh, might revive his career in, in New Orleans. And I agree with you. I think that division, um, it certainly looks like it's the Saints to lose because Carolina's rebuilding. Atlanta's still a mess and Tampa Bay doesn't know who's going to start um, the quarterback for them. It seems like a, an easy win if you're a betting man. Um, and then feeling out that that NFC West, if someone can compete with San Francisco, we know that Seattle was right up there. Um, but the Rams almost like edging towards a rebuild of Stetson Bennett is going to be their franchise quarterback going forward. And we know how great he was at Georgia winning national championships, but, uh, but that's a, a big learning curve to have that doesn't necessarily translate into the next level for sure. Um, 
Yeah, and you're just seeing early on the Jets, of course, making a lot of headlines with hard knocks, um, seeing the clips of, of you know, um, Aaron Rodgers at practice with uh, with the Panthers um, and how he's just going, just cheesing it up with Quinn and Williams, having the time of his life out there. Um, still haven't watched hard knocks. I'm, I'm not not totally into that at all. But um, but yeah, I mean, now this with this shortened preseason schedule, it's really looking ahead to week two of this preseason. And then week three is just, you know, formality. You might just see who there is to uh, um, who's out there to to make a roster, to make that 53 man roster or to at least, you know, cling on to the practice squad. Um, anything you're looking forward to in this this week two of preseason? No, I just think, you know, from a I think at this point, um, you know, we're obviously looking for the Bears game to see what they can do and, and oh, yeah. make sure that they stay healthy. But I think now, you know, Cliff kind of hit it on the head here in the comments. Um, we're all looking from a fantasy impact to see which guys we want to go after, which guys uh, could potentially be hurt, you know, who who are creeping up in the depth charts and stuff like that and, and things of that nature. So this is kind of the weekend where, you know, we start to kind of hone in on a fantasy football standpoint. You know, we have our big draft, obviously, on, on Sunday afternoon. Um, so, you know, that's where everybody starts to kind of key in on. I love that the fact that the, the NFL kind of, spreads these games out over the couple nights, right? So we, so we get a game. Uh, we get Browns versus Eagles tomorrow. And then tomorrow, I mean, then Friday you get Panthers, Giants, Bengals, Falcons. And then Saturday is the rest of the games, you know, Bears, Colts, stuff like that, Steelers, Bills out there, Chiefs, Cardinals, 49ers, uh, Broncos, things of that nature. You know, Sunday there's uh, there's one game and then you get one game randomly on a Monday night. I can do it out on a Monday night preseason game, but um, <laughs> you know, you're just, yeah, you're just looking for guys to see who, you know, who's going to stay healthy and who's creeping up the depth charts and stuff like that. But I, this is the, this is the exciting point. Cause it's like, once you get past this week, kind of like you said, week three preseason is a formality. Let's get that shit out the way. That's basically for the guys battling for roster spots, you know, 47 through 53. And, um, and, and let's get on with the, uh, with the actual real action here. You know, are my, my video game fans out there? Madden comes out this weekend on Friday, so you can pick up your copy of Madden for your your next gen systems out there. And uh, yeah, absolutely, it's we're we're starting to get there. We're almost there. I haven't played Madden in years, but that shit looks crazy. Yep. Looks very wild. Be getting my uh, copy on Friday. I can't wait. Oh yeah, do you get the new copy every year? Are you one of those guys? I get it every year. Absolutely, oh, that's my God. That's one of my that's one of my therapy things to do. Get away from my family, go upstairs, play play a little Madden for an hour, play some play some hip hop music, and just <sighs> woo saw until it's time to come back down and and be a functional parent slash that's husband. Fun. Yeah, I, I haven't played video games in a decade, but who knows with a with another baby on the way, might might have to uh, have that sort of escape myself. Uh, I like Rick, Rick Reuter's comments about little Deuce Vaughn. I like Deuce Vaughn. All five, eight of them, or whatever, out of Kansas State. Looks smaller um, than that, yeah. He is, yeah. He's like five five. I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's shifty. Who's he? Like? Uh, he looks like he's well. He looks. He looks especially. He's. He looks like, like Darren, Darren Sproles. Sproles. Well, that's that's, exactly. that's oh, another, yeah, 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 another yeah. Kansas State grad. So you haven't done a show for so long. Yeah, another yeah. Kansas State grad. Yeah. yeah, the comparisons will be there. Speaking of Cowboys running backs, I mean Deuce, uh, Deuce Zeke Elliott is now a, a Patriot, and he cut off all his hair. Oh, yeah. He put back on the number fifteen that he wore in college. So he's he's trying to get back to his roots. But I saw a video of him today. He looked easily about forty pounds heavier than he normally plays. He oh, he looked like a big big dude out there. I don't, I don't know. Just a goal line. Bad. I was gonna say I would assume for that situation for Bill Belichick, he's gonna assume the Laguerre Blunt role because he is not the same Zeke Elliott that he was back in the Ohio State days or the early or the early Dallas days. He looked very very puffy out there. Yeah. Well, he's he's had those moments uh, as. As much as he's had highlights, uh, you know, you you just think about it. 2016 was one of his best seasons, if I'm not mistaken, or something. It's 2018, one of those years yeah. where he was, uh, you know, like a 1500 yard rusher. And how it uh, how time flies, man. And we gl- kind of glazed over it on the Colts issue and, and running backs. You know, we just talk about it every week how they are uh, getting short end of the stick uh, money wise. But Jonathan Taylor departing Colts training camp once again, and uh, there was a statement that came out today that said Taylor has left camp to attend a personal matter with mm-hmm. his permission with the club. And we know that, um, you know, their situation with the Colts, his situation with the Colts and, and how um, 
it's similar to, you know, what Saquon Barkley is going through. Saquon, you know, take, getting the franchise tag, but still looking for a big long-term contract like that. Uh, he deserves to be paid well. He's certainly a top five running back. And, um, you know, he will likely be a top five in the league this year, uh, whether he suits up for preseason or not. But um, yeah. And the best way to take the pressure off your young rookie quarterback that, you know, they named the starter last week is to have your all pro running back out there. So I, I think the Colts, I think Jim Irsay botched that situation at the beginning more with his public comments. Um, I think since then they have, they've kind of done a 180 and they've kind of allowed him the space to, to come in there and get healthy and, and, and be ready on his own terms. I think he will be there week one because they need him. If they want to be competitive in any way this year, they're going to need Jonathan Taylor out in that football team or else teams are just going to stack the box against Anthony Richardson and double team Michael Pittman Jr. and say, go find it somewhere else. And they're not going to be able to do that. If that happens, the Colts are going to win three football games this year. Yeah, no question. He's an all-star back. They need him out there. Uh, as we shift focus to, uh, do you follow in this, this whole blindside uh, controversy, if you will, with Michael Ower now being accused of this $15 million shakedown. Of course, the subject of the blindside. Now they're saying Sandra Bullock needs to give up her Oscar, which is yeah. just fucking stupid. I, I don't get that. Um, as you can tell, it's the off season, but, uh, yeah, the whole doing his conservators uh, for 15 million thing. And they're saying, no, we had to do a conservatorship. He was under 18. Who are you siding with Ross? You know what? I don't know all the facts as we all don't know all the facts. Right. Um, but (laughs) I always thought that situation was a little bit shady. Uh, I thought it was very convenient for the family. And um, I, I tend to lean towards Michael Orr here. And, and it, it shows you, you know, a lot of a lot of unfortunately very talented young people get taken advantage of by parents and parent figures very early on when they are too young to make these kinds of decisions. When I was 17, 18 years old, there's no way in hell I can make a kind of decision like that or even know, you know, foreshadow what my future would be, you know, kind of like they probably saw it, right? And, and they named that situation. So um you know, it, it, it's difficult. I, I hope that it gets resolved. I hope that, you know, Michael Orr is in a good place uh, mentally and most importantly, well, not most importantly, but uh, equally as important financially because it feels like to me this is kind of coming up because maybe the NFL money ran out. You know, as we all right. know, you know, that, that kind of money doesn't stay around forever. You got to pay a lot of people in your camp and that money goes really quickly. And if they profited off of his story and off of his likeness and everything like that, and they profited off of his struggles, his struggles and his trauma, as we saw on full display in the movie, then he should be compensated compensated for that. And that movie made $300 million at the box office. And I don't know how much of that money went to Michael Lore, but he deserves a good chunk of that. So I hope that this is rectified. I hope that the situation uh, gets fixed. I don't blame Sandra Bullock one bit. I think people are going to realize biopics are not based on 100% true facts. Like it's it's not it's been like that for a very long time. Uh, these biopics are going to kind of manipulate things to, and, and change things around for dramatic effects and for it's it's a movie. Uh, I even I saw Oppenheimer and, and spoiler alert: the two uh, scenes in Oppenheimer with Albert Einstein. That didn't really fucking happen. <laughs> he didn't really talk to Albert Einstein like in real life. And these kind of things happen, right? We see it all the time with biopics. So I think hopefully people, when they watch these things going forward, realize that most of this stuff is for entertainment. You cannot blame Sandra Bullock for that. Her performance was based on the script and what she did with that script. She deserves to keep her or Oscar, this is not like a Heisman Trophy and Reggie Bush where you're just stripping away things after the fact. The comparison was ridiculous. No, <laughs> it's not keep, the same, dog. <laughs> keep the heat on the family in real life because those are the people yeah. that really need to answer some real questions. And if they owe Michael Lewis some money or if he's entitled to some money because they stole his rights and his situation and uh, you know tricked him into signing something that he shouldn't have signed, then he should be compensated. The claim is him, which is just crazy, and the timing, a little suspect, right? Just him claiming that he gave the rights to his life story away to 20th Century Fox in 2007, Mm -hmm. without any payment whatsoever, and that he's missing profits from uh, that film that grossed grossed over $300 million. And the crazy Uh, thing is, to me, he said said that he he found out this year, he thought he was actually, um, he thought he was actually, 
um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, adopted. Uh, excuse me. He thought he was actually adopted by them, and he just found out this year that he wasn't. Like, the, like he, he, they weren't really his real parents. They basically just made him sign something over to say, "You're we're gonna you're gonna give us all of your rights to your life and stuff like that, but we're not actually your real parents." That's bullshit. That sounds like a lot yeah, of manipulation to me. And the fact that you never told him that and you kept that from him, and he had to go find that out himself as a grown man who's retired from the NFL. That to me is where a lot of this just comes really shady on that family. He's got to he's got to retain some some great attorney who's like the who's who's uh, the new hot attorney these is like Ben Crump he's got to get Ben Crump on his side <laughs> or something like that and and go to town on these these folks taking advantage of him um, well we'll see and and again going back to uh, and Cliff made that point uh, where he's saying the NFL should provide qualified fin- financial advisors because you know we've seen broke which was that that Netflix series I believe too um, for every guy that's Real smart, like Marshawn Lynch and, and you name this player, that player who didn't spend a penny of their actual NFL money and, and just, you know, made their their living or, or spent money, uh, the money that they made on their endorsements, things like that. There's a lot of guys that just don't know, you know, who came from, you know, a poverty background or don't know how to manage their money and just blow through it and don't play long enough for it to be sustainable and don't have a good team around them to invest that money and for it to grow, it just dwindles away and spend it on bullshit, make bad investments. So mm-hmm. uh, it's really important. So you hope that that didn't happen with Michael Orr. So go get yours, man. Yeah, 100%. This is, I mean, this doesn't even, ex- this extends far beyond sports. We all know about the TLC story. TLC has one of the, the, the highest grossing, you know, records of all time. Uh, they're, they're uh, you know, the album that they had with that had no scrubs on it went diamond. It was sold over 10 million copies and they toured off that album, you know, 50 city tour, stuff like that. And as a group, they made less than a million dollars total off that album. And because you sign away your rights to these things and stuff like that. So, you know, it's, you know, we can talk about this for, for, for hours. It's, it's why the writers are striking right now and why the actor strike is going on because, you know, they want to be compensated now and fairly compensated, you know, going forward and stuff like that. So, you know, if you, if you ever own something, I, I, I always say you should retain it. It should be yours for as long as you can. Um, and you should always have the foresight to try and bet on yourself and not give away uh, your own likeness and your own entity and, and your own properties and stuff like that. But specifically to Michael Orr, let's hope that this situation ends uh, on a high note for him. And um, you know, I, I, if they did wrong by him, I hope that he is compensated on the back end because Giving taking your money, taking his money from them, and then giving it to your own biological children is fucking nuts to me. <laughs> and they they give their they gave their own biological children Michael Orr's money from that movie. That is nuts to me. Yeah, that's fucking crazy, man. Um, so nice segue. Yep. Speaking of money, Phil Mickelson news came out that he estimated that he's wagered a billion dollars over. 30 years of gambling. That's not, uh, you know, just chalking up to all losses. Otherwise, I think he would be, you know, on uh, on, on some interstate exit with a, with a cardboard sign at this point. But he, uh, he averaged 858 bets of $220,000, over 1,000 bets of 110,000, approximately approximately 100 million in losses. So you see why he's a big live golf fan and, and shit like that. Um Ross, you'll be there one day, wagering over a billion <laughs> over 30 years when you're 80 years old. Um, that's crazy, man. I, You know, you hear stories about guys like Charles Barkley, who's had a notorious uh, gambling problem, but an affinity for gambling, we'll call it. Same with Michael Jordan and various mm-hmm. guys. But but damn, wagering a billion dollars over 30 years is, is nuts. It's very nuts. But my I, I have a relatively hot take about it, which is, if that's his money and and people continue to allow him to do that, I think he obviously has a problem and has an addiction, but that's not my place to judge him or to, you know, try and force him to stop doing it or something like that. That is for somebody that is close to him and loves him and, and things of that nature. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't even think that should be public information in my opinion. I think that kind of stuff should be private. And he needs to handle that privately. And, and who knows? Maybe he might be good at it. He's bad at it. I don't know. Uh, but obviously, Phil Mickelson is still very, very rich. So he's doing okay financially. 
and oh, yeah. uh, he's doing a lot better than most people. I don't think that should be public information. I, I didn't. I read the story and I was like, cool. I, what am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it doesn't change how I see him more as a. I watch if I watch Phil Mickelson, it's for what he does on the golf course. Same thing. I watch Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley and Tiger Woods and all those other guys who have been accused of the exact same thing. I watch these guys because they're athletes, not because of what they do with their money and stuff like that. Yeah, I agree with that. Did you check out what James Harden said about Daryl Morey? I did. Daryl Morey, quote, is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's part of. Uh, the guy seems to really be sort of a cancer for teams these days, man. A bad look for Philly. And then, in, I don't know if it's solidarity or what's going on with Philly, but Embiid removing uh, the 76ers logo from his social media. What's going on with the process over there, man? Yeah, it's, I mean, to me, the whole process fell apart when they decided to uh, pick uh, Fultz over uh, Jason Tatum. And ever since then, they've been chasing bad players and, and patchworking things. They've got an MVP in Joel Embiid, but, you know, obviously Ben Simmons has uh, is, is completely lost it. James Harden it would rather be in a strip club eating chicken wings and stuff like that. The process is dead. The process is broken. You got to blow that whole thing up. And, uh, and, and completely start from scratch. You know, in terms of James Harden, um, I kind of side with him. I think Daryl Morey made him a promise last year when they when he got him to Philly that he was going to sign him to a max deal, and then he reneged on that promise. And and you know, if that happened, and Daryl Morey said he was going to do that, and then decided not to do that, if I was James Harden, I would probably want out of that situation and away from Daryl Morey too. Now, yeah. James looks bad because James has forced his way out of every single situation that he's been in in his career. Uh, from Houston to uh, the Nets to now the 76ers. So now this is just another uh, a day in the NBA. A lot of guys who are, 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 are drama queens uh, in this league. And uh, to me, I, the NBA tends to make more stories off the court than they do on the court. And uh, it's we're about two months away from training camp for that league. And you've got James Harden dwindling out there. We still don't know what's going to happen with this Dame Lillard situation. There's a couple guys out there that – are still kind of you know twisting in the wind. Yeah, maybe on the move, uh, but it seems like some typical offseason storylines at this point. Very typical of James Harden, but uh, but you know going back to what he did say about Daryl Morey, um, you know to drag his name through the mud. It's disappointing just to see from that Sixers perspective just the, the potential that this team has had central around Embiid and and thinking um, you know the potential that James Harden playing at his best could have had too and going head-to-head -head with the likes of the Heat in Boston, but uh, but we shall see what happens mm -hmm. in the end of this uh, offseason. So wrapping up the show here, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, is the 50th anniversary of hip-hop celebration. It's been, a, it's been a celebration every week so far, and we celebrate it every week, of course, here on Mac and Reed. But they, uh, Complex, I believe, came out with a top 50 list of mm -hmm. top five New York rappers mm -hmm. of all time. And, and before we even get to that top five, Ice Spice made it to 50, and <laughs> uh, who was left out? Uh, ASAP Ferg, uh, Inspector Deck, Joey Badass, Lloyd Banks. This is among others. Memphis Bleak, Fife Dog was left off before. Oh, and Ice Spice, Talib Kweli, Remy Ma. Uh, oh, wow. Listen, man, I know she's the flavor of the month and like has done wonders streaming right now and has her own style with the, the younger female rappers right now. Uh, good for her, but in a way, she's on the top fifty, and you passed up these other names. It's just unbelievable. And none of these none of these lists are perfect, but yeah, completely agree. I, I'm glad that they got most of the top twenty right. Um, a lot of my favorites are in kind of like that mid tier range. Guys like Jada Kiss, guys like Slick Rick, Big Daddy Kane, Prodigy. Rest in peace, Big L. I love Big L. He, I think he would have been a superstar if he was around. Same thing with, with Big Pun as well, right? you got a couple guys who are no longer with us. Um, so those are kind of guys that I love and still love to listen to in my sweet spot. Um, we'll go through our top five here in a minute. I think our top three are probably going to be the exact same. And then we might get a little bit of differences in, the, uh, in four and five. Well, give me your number five then. My number five is going to be KRS-One. And I feel Ooh. like... 
Yeah, I, I feel like I'm sorry. You, you can't have a top five New York rappers list without having one of the OGs that that paved the way for it all. And, and, and KRS-One, I think he was the first guy, you know, obviously from the Bronx, but he had he kind of brought in hip hop. He mixed it with a little reggae and Afro beats and stuff like that. He's because he's obviously a Jamaican uh, rapper. He was able to put his punchlines right on the beat. He's one of the first guys I ever heard to be able to do that consistently. Um, really set the tone for how hip hop kind of ushered in to that new generation right after him. Yeah, my number five, just to that end, is Buster Rhymes, just with his very unique style. And you talk about foundation of, of hip hop. It's hilarious that Rick and Cliff are like, all right, got to go, you top five hip hop guys. <laughs> like, all right, boys, this is uh, not your domain. But uh, Buster Rhymes, who's now, you know, just like Harris one, I believe Harris one's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but Buster mm-hmm. Rhymes, I, I visited the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last summer, and um, he's in there, and, and one of his. Um, one of his outfits from a music video was in there. It just it's like a very unique style that he had. Uh, the delivery, just fantastic uh, bangers of the 90s, break your neck and give me some more. And how fast he can rap. And the, del- the lyricism is just very unique and, and paved the way for a lot of it. And even just carried over from that early 90s into 2000s, like leaders of the new schools from 90s into that new era of hip hop, he showed that he can, he's shown that he can uh, adapt and collaborate with like the Kendrick Lamars of the world and Rhapsody. He actually had a decent um, album come out. I think it was last year, the year before too. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's busy and certainly one of those guys um, really putting on for the last 50 years of hip hop and the celebration had a great um, Grammy performance when they honored hip hop too. That was, it was awesome to see. He's still like, and dude looks, looks great for 51. He does. He does. Godfather of the feature, too. He's one of the first rappers to ever start doing features on other different songs. My number four is your favorite New York rapper's favorite New York rapper, and that's Rakim. That is the god Rakim. There is not anybody better from a lyricist standpoint to me of all time uh, than Rakim. He, He really started... The, the, uh, the technique and the style that a lot of these guys stole from. You, you mentioned a guy like ASAP Rocky. ASAP Rocky's name is literally from Rakim. DMX always said that he would like study Rakim's style. Nah, it's the same thing. Rakim, great storyteller, uh, just absolutely menacing on, on the mic. I love him so much. Um, he even had a couple, uh, you know, he's had a couple albums even come out in the late 90s and stuff like that, a little late in his career that still hold up outstanding. I love Rakim. Number three for me. I mean, number four for me, excuse me. Number four for you. Number four for me is the great Q-Tip, uh, mm-hmm. one of the founders of Tribe Called Quest. If you know me, I'm a huge fan of Tribe Called Quest and everything that they did. And Q-Tip uh, really did a lot of great solo work, in my opinion. And, of course, just everything that he brings in terms of production, too, is, is really great. But Amplified and the Renaissance, really great solo projects when you're coming off that great success of um, everything that Tribe Called West did. Uh, he's my favorite MC, uh, you know, and it's pretty self-explanatory there. It's just hard to, to boil it down to five uh, rappers in this list, but you know, the top three, like you alluded to, Ross, for me, uh, for for you, who's number three? It's my favorite rapper to listen to when I want to kind of listen to real lyrics, listen to storytelling, um, just kind of focus in on the beats, on the lyricism. It's Nas. Nas is, yeah. is in my top five all time. Favorite, favorite rappers. Um, I love the way he has shifted throughout his career from different styles. Obviously, he's got a classic to start his career, but I think his two albums following that were equally as good. I think a lot of people kind of give him crap for that, but look at his longevity. He's still going now. He's had you know about five albums now coming out with Hip Boy the last couple of years. He just won a Grammy, his first Grammy a couple of years ago. He's now, I believe, in his 50s. He still looks great. He just released an album a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, he keeps going and going and going, and he just sounds like he does, you know, 20, 25 years ago. Huge Nas fan. He's number three for me on the list. Uh, incredible just disco- discography that mm-hmm. he has. And just consider the the King's Disease and, and everything he's done, Magic series That's with true. Hit Boy, just in the recent, like, last six albums, is just bananas, man. And obviously, uh, like you talked about, but not belongs on that Mount Rushmore. I've been lucky enough to see him several times. I saw him with you once, mm-hmm. uh, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I've trust. 
Oh yeah, the Wind Trust. Yeah, which yeah. was a great venue. We actually saw some some great uh, great acts there at the Wind Trust. And I mean, you know, say what you will about the the collaboration with Ye, but of course you go back to Illmatic as one of the top five hip hop albums of all time. And Nas is just such a great storyteller, which is a foundational part of of hip hop. Um, mm-hmm. And then the production that he recruits to match uh, again going back to just recently you know for a guy who's pushing 50 mm-hmm. um stuff with hit boy is is so great and mm-hmm. so um i can't i can't say enough about his longevity and what he does um for that for that medium for sure number two for you number two sure for me is same biggie? same ones it's biggie limited limited career obviously but a a superstar who shine who, whose light show still shines to this day uh his music is so, you know, replayable. It still hits hard to this day. If Hypnotize came out today, it would be the number one record on the radio still. I, I mean, his music has aged so well. And yes, we only got a couple albums from him, but um, God, it just nobody was able to put that much talent together that quickly. The, may, the, 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 the situation with him and Puffy was a perfect marriage kind of bring in those samples and 80 soul samples and stuff like that. Biggie was perfect over those beats, man. I love listening to Biggie. Uh, you know, if you ever want to, you know, who does not listen to ready to, to die every few months or something like that, or even life after death and all the songs yeah. that he's had, all the hits he had on there, the features that he had as well. Great features rapper too. Yeah. If you've, if you're a watcher of our show too, we did a top five of Biggie songs, which was really impossible to do um, just several weeks ago. And, you know, a lot of the, the best rappers out there, the ASAP Rockies of the world and, and those who are carrying on New York hip hop, Chicago hip hop and on and on West Coast hip hop. It just would not be here without without Biggie. And, and you know, Ready to Die is just a perfect album. Talking about this, the lyricism, the production, um, that storytelling aspect of it, just so good. And certainly was uh, the big brother to our shared number one. Got to be Jay-Z, who might be that that. That goat, right? The best rapper of all time. My number one Jay Z fan across from me, Ross Reed. Take it away. It's he's got the best disc. Uh, he's got the best discography of any rapper of all time. He's got multiple classics in his repertoire: Reasonable Doubt, Blueprint, The Black Album, um, even um, uh, you know the, the the album that he came out with the four 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 a couple of years ago. He's absolutely outstanding. Um, he is one of the most versatile rappers of all time. He's worked with Swiss Beats. He's worked with Timberland. He's worked with all your favorite producers. He's hopped on uh, records with his wife and other features. Jay-Z is truly the GOAT of New York, and he's probably the best rapper of all time. Um, I miss him rapping. I wish he would do it again. I wish he would drop an album. I know he's got other ventures. He's got a very rich and successful wife, but I do wish that he would give us at least one more uh, album before he wraps it up completely. Man, I'm with you there. That's the only thing missing from this conversation about Jay-Z, just in terms of... I'm very quiet. Uh, yeah, just his life. He's just, you know, doing everything else in, yeah. in between, um, you know, just investing his money yeah. elsewhere or putting yeah. on for for some new, you know, booze out there like a, yeah. like a lot of entrepreneurs are doing, which is smart. But he's also just one half of a, of a great power couple and Beyonce. Yeah. And don't forget all the work on Watch the Throne, one of the best mm-hmm. collaborative albums out there yeah. for sure. Even Jay Electronica album he did a couple years ago was was, oh, yeah. was really good too. Yeah. I think I think Nas has put out like five albums though since Jay Z has put out an album last. That's absurd. Yeah. The comparison is just uh, just nuts, my friends. Yep. Well, that wraps it up for us, uh, everybody. Thanks for watching, listening in. If you missed any of this uh, program, it'll be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, tell a friend or two. Follow along on the YouTube live stream. Follow the Barroom Network at Barroom Network. Follow me and Ross on Twitter. I'm at the Real Evan Mac. Ross is at Ross Reed. Um, and of course, enjoy this Bears game uh, on Saturday. It'll be mm-hmm. 6 p.m. NFL Network. Bears Colts um, in Indy. And uh, everybody, be good to each other out there. As we say every week. Um, so long, everybody. Peace.